Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the Authors on Fire podcast. I am Pat Rulo with a Firebird Book Award winning author today, and she is Amy Turner, and her winning book is titled On the Ledge, a memoir. The book swept the Firebird Book Awards, first place winner in memoir, mental health, new nonfiction, nonfiction, and trauma, trauma recovery, and second place winner in mind, body, spirit and was the grand prize winner of the Special Nonfiction Book Award. She was born in Bronxville, New York, and is a graduate of Boston University with a degree in political science and of New York Law School with a Juris Doctor degree. After practicing law, rather unhappily for 22 years, she finally found the courage to change careers at age 48 and become a very happy seventh grade social studies teacher. A longtime meditator and avid reader who loves to swim and bike, Amy lives in East Hampton, New York, with her husband, Ed, to whom she's been married for 40 years, and they also have a rescue dog named Fred. And Ed and Amy have two sons. On the Ledge is Amy's first book, and we have many things to talk about. So welcome to the network, Amy. Oh, thank you so much, Pat. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Me too. I've been looking forward to it for a very long time. So I'm happy to have this opportunity and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I never dreamed I would ever sweep awards (laughs) or sweep anything. So that's really exciting. Oh, you're funny. Well, I was happy to share it with you. I read something funny on your website where you talk about your dog, Fred, and you call him the Freditor because he's obviously your editor and not always in a good way. Yes, yes. Yeah, I do have a picture of him I love. Somehow we staged it with him at a manual typewriter <laughs> with my with my manuscript in shreds. <laughs> I love that. I have uh I have a whole load of cats and so often when I work, um they are all over the place as well. And so uh I don't know, it kinda adds to the whole comfort level of spending time writing, doesn't it, to have a friend like that? Yes, absolutely. And and uh, a little distraction too, which is often welcome. <laughs> you know, it's true. I figured something out. Certain cats, when they come and jump up on my desk and try to really get lovey and huggy with me, sometimes I feel like I might just want to push them away because I'm in the middle of thinking of something. And I've often realized that that is the exact moment that I need them to be there. It's not so much for them. It's almost like they know that I need them at that moment. And so uh, I've kind of changed my whole attitude about it. When when I feel it's an interruption, it really is not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, something to think about. Yeah. All righty, so much to know about you. A lawyer turned middle school teacher. How did that happen? Well, you know, uh, I have to say I have a very supportive husband, so let's just start with that. (laughs) But I, uh, you know, I was uh, a lawyer, and I have to say I knew, you know, I knew what it was like to, you know, once in a while, you know, have a success and and so forth. And I knew what it was like to get through the day, but I never had the experience of really looking forward, forward to my work or feeling like I loved it. I could do it and, you know, it would be, I'd get some fulfillment out of it, but I just didn't feel this really deep connection to it. And I thought, you know, I was 40. I thought, well, you know, that's just, 
you know, that's how it is. I'm beyond the age where I'm going to be doing any switching, and I wouldn't know what to do. So one day I just volunteered uh, at uh, the local middle school. It wasn't even my son's class. I just saw a notice. I thought I'd be a good citizen and parent. And just, I loved it. And I remember telling my husband that I couldn't believe that, uh, you know, I if I had wanted to teach, it never worked out on the law school level, and I never dreamed I would like teaching on a you know lower academic level. In any event, I had this feeling I never had as a lawyer, this sort of deep connection. Of course, I didn't want to tell anyone that I was considering this move because uh, it didn't quite, it was kind of counterintuitive for most people. And so I very quietly took some graduate education courses, and then I had to make the switch to student teach. And I just loved it, and I was so lucky to get a job, um, a full-time job in my air in my local area. And I made the switch. And I have to say, a lot of um, you know, super when I was interviewing superintendents and principals, would say, "My gosh, you're going from lawyer to teacher." They why would you do that? And I, I said, you know, um, only lawyers understand, and they're really jealous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people have a certain preconception of a of a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, it, it was a big break for me to do something that I really loved and stop doing something that I might have been doing to prove myself. Right. And uh, that's how I ended up, and I taught for about 15 years at seventh grade, and um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a wonderful experience. And I, I no regrets about law. I mean, I sure. learned a lot, and it certainly, you know, informed everything about my life, and I uh, appreciate the skills and use them, but I'm glad I've had both careers. Oh, well, we could stop right now because this is so inspiring <laughs> just to say to follow your dreams regardless of that it makes sense or not. And it's interesting that you knew that very moment that you did that first day of volunteer work that you just felt different about it. And it was something that you had to, you were called to do. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I think so. And, you know, I, I, there's a lot, a number of members of my family were teachers or something akin to teaching. So, think it was in the genetics probably. Right, right, right. All right. Well, speaking of your family, there's a lot to know about you. Um, and I guess the best way to find out would, would be for you to share a bit about your winning book, On the Ledge, because since it's a memoir, it will give us a look into your life. Uh, I'd be delighted. Yes. So uh, On the Ledge is the story of my recovery from an accident. I was crossing the street in a crosswalk with a sign that said stop for pedestrians in our local village, and a pickup truck made a left-hand turn. If I, if his windshield weren't shaded, I would have seen his face. I thought he was going to stop, but he accelerated and mowed me down and dragged me for, I think, about 20 seconds or so. I um, amazingly... Uh, I was helicoptered to a hospital that dealt with brain trauma. And amazingly, I had no broken bones or internal injuries. But of course, I had a recovery process, a concussion and so forth, a recovery process and took a leave from school. And during that recovery process, I find myself 
recovering from a trauma that was buried much deeper. When I was four and a half, my father climbed out on the a window of his hotel room, he was in New Haven, Connecticut, on a business trip, and threatened to jump. Uh, he was, uh, that, you know, talked down by a priest, was hospitalized for about a year. My mother was at home uh, in suburban New York, Bronxville, New York, with myself, my two younger brothers, there were three, uh, we were five, four, and three, and my older sister, who was uh, ten, she was an active alcoholic at the time, and so, um, ironically, it appeared on the front page, photographs appeared on the front page of the Daily News, and in the research of my book, I discovered that it was actually in more than 80 newspapers nationwide, um, but I wouldn't learn about it until I was 16, so although... I didn't know the facts. I did know growing up that there was something wrong in the house and my mother's constant warnings not to get upset, not to get my father upset. He really had a, a I had a sense that it, that would be really serious, that there were kind of life or death consequences to that. Um, and children are so perceptive and sometimes there are those, um, known unknowns, mm-hmm. you end up, you know, when you find out there's something that feels familiar. Uh, so that's the, the background of my memoir. So it's the, the story of the recovery from the accident and then how I end up uh, finally, you know, I've had years and years of psychotherapy, thought I had resolved all the psychological reverberations of my childhood, but this accident really propels me on a different path. Wow, uh, a horrible thing to have happen. But on the other hand, it, it changed, I guess, the trajectory of your life. Uh, it, it certainly did. I, I, I don't recommend it. Well, yeah. <laughs> as a way to um, get to resolve deeper traumas. But um, it really was ama- amazingly a catalyst uh, for, for a a transformation is kind of a big word, but for real, real growth that I that I never expected, mm-hmm. including writing the book. For sure, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about you as a teacher, and especially a seventh grade. They're still young, mm. young children. How your background really probably informed you to even pay attention to these children, maybe in a different way than perhaps other teachers or who didn't have the experiences growing up that you did. You know, so many of us have you know, issues as in our families growing up and so forth that become very sensitive to just, um, you know, interpreting people's body languages because I know there are a lot of families that uh, where secrets are kept and so forth, and while you don't know the facts, you do know something's going on. So I feel that I'm pretty perceptive, and that was very, you know, sensitive. That was helpful, mm-hmm. uh, helpful with uh, kids, and I loved history and uh, had siblings and younger siblings. So I, I did, I felt, um, I felt ready for it. It's not easy, I will say. Mm-hmm. People, um, you know, comparing law to, I used to <laughs> compare the professions and say, 
gee, if I were a lawyer right now, I could go in my office, close the door, <laughs> ask my secretary to hold all the calls, and just you know close my eyes for five seconds. Now, would I rather have that or a room of you know thirty kids bustling around? And <laughs> I still wanted the kids bustling around. So, yeah, um, yeah I did. Uh, it's I have a lot of respect for teachers, especially mm-hmm. those who taught longer than fifteen years. Still, that's that's just so impressive that uh, you were able to take all of that and put it in a good place and, and help young people grow. Why did you feel like you had to write the book? Was there something that happened where you thought, okay, I need to get this on paper? Well, I you know, I call myself an accidental memoirist, not, not because I had an accident, but because I didn't set out to write a memoir. After, I'll step back for one minute, um, my... I had always wanted to write, and previous attempts always ended up in what I would call the Turner sludge. I just, it would get dark, I I just couldn't, I couldn't do it, it wouldn't come, and I think it had something to do with watching my father, who had a real tortured relationship with writing. So I had given up on that dream, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, a couple of, well, really just six weeks after my accident, another random shocking event occurred. My brother, who had been doing better than he'd been doing in decades, just suddenly unexpectedly died. It was a shock. If he died 15 years before, would have been sad, not surprised. So this was almost as shocking to me as the accident, and I was really untethered. So getting to answer your question, after a memorial for him, you know, six months later, turned out our English teacher, 40 years later, showed up, and it was a big surprise, and it just, I started to write her a thank you note, and I told her about the accident and so forth. There are a bunch of coincidences that made it appropriate for me to be telling her about the accident. And all of a sudden, this channel opened in me, and out just flowed, gosh, these connections and memories and, and insights. I was so surprised. It just it kept coming. Soon it was beyond the bounds of a thank you note, so I sent the thank you note out and kept writing. And eventually, I showed it to uh, an editor just like, you know, is this just a diary entry for me, or does this sound like something? And I, I got some encouragement, so I kept at it. Um, and at a certain point, I guess I became an intentional memoirist because I realized I'm writing a memoir. I should go learn something about it, and I started to take classes and and workshops and really, you know, try to make my writing as as good as it possibly could be coming from me. So that's really how it it started. And I have to say, I I don't fully understand how it happened. It just felt a little um, like grace or magic Mm -hmm. that I am very, very grateful. So it was, you know, it was very easy and a flow in the beginning. Of course, it wasn't like that the whole time. It's harder. (laughs) Um, as I'm sure you you know as you write, um, but that's that's how I uh, that's how the first book came. I started it 
at age of 56. So if there's anyone out there who thinks that they're too old to start writing a book, I would encourage them to just get going. Start writing, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. It's just like a seemingly random chain of events. It leads you to a spot where you never would have imagined. Yeah, I I mean, I just feel I'm filled with gratitude. It, it turned out, you know, when I, I had this accident and just by coincidence, um, I ended up being referred to an acupuncturist to deal with a shoulder spasm, you know, something totally physical. And... It turned out she was training in something called somatic experiencing, which is a psychobiologic technique for resolving the aftermath of trauma, which that was great because I'd had this, you know, shock trauma of the accident. And I do believe that it was through that work that um, I was able to sort of release, uh, you know, my some stored, some effects of, impacts of that early experience with my father that was still stored in my nervous system. And as that started to release, I think that's what allowed a curiosity about my father's incident on the ledge and to give me the space and distance to finally be able to write about it. So somatic experiencing, this took place before you started to write? Uh, Yes. Yes. So, yes kind of coincided. Okay. Yes, before. Interesting. So you think that had an impact on releasing your ability to get it on paper? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. You know, the the nervous system, it doesn't, doesn't, in my, you know, personal experience, I'm just talking about how it feels to me, it doesn't work in chronological time. You know, you, you could be having a feeling that's just exactly feeling you had when you're four and a half and you could be 62. You know, it's not um, some of those, you know, feelings and impulses are, are still there and can get called up. I think that's why when people are writing about trauma or difficult situations, sometimes they feel like they might get re-triggered because it's, it's yes. all there mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully we can all, over time, get sort of space and distance from that and, and resolve some of it. Anybody who's writing about trauma or something that's, you know, emotionally difficult should make sure they're getting a lot of, kind of a cliche now maybe, but, you know, self-care, mm-hmm. whether it's getting a massage or just making sure that they take breaks and and you know, relax or, you know, deep breathe or something to just, you know, give the nervous system a little, you know, a break, break. Mm-hmm. settle down. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, that definitely, I think, is something It really, you know, anybody writing about something difficult to be paying attention to their body because um, it, it, um, because it's involved. Right. You know, we think we're just writing out of our heads, but really. our bodies. So whatever they might want to do, whether it's massage or acupuncture or just breath work or just getting up and taking a walk, people just should just uh, be uh, aware of the uh, impact on their body right. or what they're feeling inside. Very interesting. I'm fascinated by this. I'm going to have to do a little more thinking. Thinking and researching on this. 
Yeah, because I, I, I'm thinking just writing a memoir in, in and of itself is a difficult or different, let's say it's a lot different than, than writing a piece of fiction or nonfiction. Any, any secrets to writing a memoir? Did you, what did you learn that you would, you know, a little nugget that you could just put out there to anyone considering writing a memoir? Well, let's see. The, the first thing that's coming to mind is, um, in my early drafts, you know, I use humor as a, uh, a defense. In, in my life, I did it, you know, when I was lying on the pavement after the truck hit me, I was trying to crack jokes. Oh. Uh, to distract me. And, uh, and someone pointed out to me, you know, Amy, after every paragraph or wh- whenever you're approaching a difficult scene, you veer off and you start telling a joke or a funny a- anecdote. So I thought, oh, I possibly be true. I went back and looked. Sure enough. So I, you know, I had to go back to the manuscript and say to ask myself, what am I avoiding here? I've got to go deeper. So uh, that, you know, I realized I was not getting to the the deepest truth. I was, what was I avoiding? So I, you know, if you're writing memoir, you really you have to keep asking yourself, have I gotten to the truth of it? You know, have I really been honest and um, so that's yeah. not always easy but you know when you are and mm-hmm. you feel it it's like when you the elevator you know hits the ground floor and has a little bounce you sort of feel that in your system right. that's the truth right. so I, I would say that um, on memoir uh, I had you know, a good writing coach which was uh, very helpful um, as I said, you know, taking breaks. And for me, uh, you know, having writing people that you could get to read your work is very helpful. Taking a workshop um, with other people, it's, it's daunting, you know, especially in memoir because they're talking about your craft, but they're also talking about your life. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's uh, really, really helpful. All right. Thank you. And your book was published by She Writes Press. They are sponsoring the women's fiction category for our third quarter Firebird Book Award. So I'm getting to know them and uh, really enjoying their quality of work. Can you speak a bit to how they helped you with the publishing process? Sure. Actually, I had Brooke Warner is the uh, publisher. I guess she's the co-founder, but she's the person that uh, I knew of, and I had come to her, uh, I had, you know, gone through several drafts, and I knew that the last third hadn't really had somebody, uh, you know, a coach or a, a good editor look at, and I really wanted someone to look at it, because I just, I couldn't be objective anymore, and I knew of Brooke, because she's she is a wonderful teacher. She gives a lot of memoir classes. Mm-hmm. So I just contacted her because of that. I, I wanted to hire her to read it because um, I admired her knowledge of craft and so forth. And so she did do that, gave me great comments, and I made revisions. And then it was sort of at the end, I said, you think she writes press, might want to publish this? Mm-hmm. And I, I, and she goes, uh, she said, yes, we would. So I felt very fortunate. So um, I submitted
copy edit and proofread. And she writes press is a hybrid press. So it's a cross between self-publishing and traditional publishing. You, um, they are selective. So people apply to be, you know, submit to be published and they don't publish everyone. As I say, they're selective like a traditional publisher. But like an indie, like a self-published book, you still retain a fair amount of control in the process. And you also make an investment. So it's almost like a partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are wonderful. I mean, I'm thrilled with my cover and um, their design team, I think, is just really gifted. And the books are very you know, professional. They have extremely high standards. And um, it was a good experience. And you get this really strong um, support system of other She Writes Press mm-hmm. We have our own Facebook page, and there's all kinds of resources for how to navigate the publication and post-publication journey. Thank you for speaking to that. I've interviewed several um, authors who have published through She Writes Press who have won Firebird Book Awards, and I'm just always and continually impressed by them and the quality of their work. And you hit on something that I, I we absolutely have to talk about, and that is the cover. That little purple marble just, I might tell you, that sticks That sticks in my mind. That would be a reason for me to pick up that book. So, <laughs> Oh, I am thrilled to hear that. You know, I, I am not a visual person at all, and it, the process that she writes is that fill out a, a form, but it's, I don't know, 10 pages and all kinds of questions mm-hmm. and so forth. You know, there are actually two of those. And that's for the cover people. And you give them an idea of what you're thinking about. And all I said was, um, you know, the, the title kind of speaks for itself. It's kind of dark. So I don't want anything, you know, any image that's kind of dark mm-hmm. or depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh And there's a photograph, an image from the newspaper in the book, in the back. So I don't want an image of my father on the front. It would be too disturbing. And that's all I said. And this is what I, this was really one of the original, um, uh, you know, they gave me four choices. And this was basically (laughs) the, one of the originals. And I, I was just amazed at the visual person could translate my book and just that little guidance I gave into this because I think it really conveys the um, the content or the you know the tone of the book for sure for sure I am a real literal person so if I were a book cover designer I mean you would see a ledge and a person yeah. I would have to do all of that because I don't know how to even begin to um, impart the feeling and the emotion with something as simple but as I don't even have a word for it. I just, yeah. let me just say that your cover is, is one of the best I've seen. So congratulations to whoever came up with that. Thank you. I, I really, yeah, thank you. I, I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I, so, and I have to say, this is, this is their level. You know, they do every, all the books that she writes mm-hmm. amazing covers. Yep. I agree. As I think back on the authors I've uh, met through them, uh, for sure. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, I want to make sure I'm not missing anything that you wanted to talk about. On writing memoir, I might mention that, you know, I, I'm an avid reader and so forth, and I knew that people went to a lot of drafts when they wrote, but I had never, I never knew just how many drafts <laughs> it takes till you get to sort of the rough draft. And, um, and so people shouldn't be discouraged. You know, it, it, revision is your best friend. And I actually, the structure of my book is kind of has two timelines in it. And that I ended up doing by having to basically rip apart an entire manuscript and reassemble it in this new structure. So, you know, it, these things can take a lot of work, but it's, um, it's, it's all worth it. And, uh, I just encourage people to, to stay, to stay with it. And, uh, my book deals with some dark issues, but on the other hand, there's plenty of, I hope, uh, reason for the humor and, and right. reason to smile. Yeah. You've got so many wonderful uh, reviews on Amazon as well, so all those folks can't be wrong. So what's next? What are you working on now? Anything? Well, um, I'm just thinking about what's coming next. Um, I somehow can multitask in my regular life, but I can't multitask with writing. So um, I think once I sort of feel that I've uh, gotten to the end of the promotion or toward the end of that, uh, I'm thinking maybe of writing something about my sister and sibling relationships and how it is that we can love and uh, love someone so deeply and at the same time want to wring their neck. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm saying that sort of I, I get it, yes. But that, that complicated sibling bond. Mm-hmm. And she passed away uh, right before my book was published. Oh. And she was a wonderful support. And it was, it was, I was so grateful. Um, but I think it, I might have written about her in my first mem, in this memoir, um, if she hadn't been with us. Right. I didn't want to write about any of my siblings who were alive. Right. I felt it was, they had their own stories to tell, and I didn't want to step on those. So I may talk about, write about her. In a fictionalized version? I'm not sure. Ah, okay. I, I don't know. I, I, it's uh, just percolating. It's percolating. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, and we'll look forward to whatever it is that you come up with as that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Amy, if you would, share any contact information where folks can uh, find out more about Amy Turner, and where they can get a copy of the book, On the Ledge. Oh, thank you. Sure. Well, On the Ledge is available, you know, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or bookshop.org or in your local bookshop, they can order it because we have traditional uh, distribution. So that's a very easy. My website is amyturnerauthor.com. And you can go there and learn more about the book, or you can actually, you know, the ordering links are on that. And there's a a contact page if anyone has any questions or wants to contact me. I'd love to hear from people, try to, you know, respond to um, everybody. I'm on Facebook, uh, Amy Turner, and uh, 
at Amy Turner 2000 on Instagram. Oh, thank you so much. So we're speaking with Amy Turner, Firebird Book Award winner. The title is On the Ledge. We talked about so many good things today. So, so inspiring. Amy, I was just so looking forward to this conversation for weeks. I'm so happy we had it. And please keep sharing any other new works with us. Oh, I'd I'd be uh, delighted to. And thanks so much. This has been a really fun conversation for me.